My dear brothers and sisters, if I told you today that someone has risen from the tomb, would you believe me? Some of us would sit here and say, yes, we would believe. Others would be skeptical on why and how a man could be raised from the dead. If anyone from the outside looked at what we celebrated today, it would look like we're fools, uneducated people. How can someone who has died rise from the dead? How do we make sense and understand all of this? Because is what we're celebrating today irrelevant to each and every one of us? Why do we have to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ? For some of us, we are sitting here wondering why we even have to celebrate it at all. Because this is an event that occurred 2,000 years ago. It has nothing to do with us today. But instead, what we can celebrate instead is this cute big white bunny rabbit and eggs and candy, right? That seems more relevant to you and I today. Why do we have to be here? We can be outside getting our kids ready for their beautiful Easter family photos, right? Get the kids ready for their Easter egg hunt. The kids are already itching for their candy already. So then why are we here? What is the purpose of this and how do we make sense of the resurrection? When we began this whole week, Palm Sunday, I posed a question for all of us to begin to reflect and ponder about. What is our framework? Where, how are we approaching this Holy Week? Because to be able to understand this last day, Easter Sunday, we must understand it within its fuller context, beginning on Palm Sunday and ending today. Because what we're celebrating today is more than just a story. It's not a story in which the disciples made up for their own sake because they felt pity for themselves that their master has just died. It's not something we celebrate in which the Roman soldiers have decided to go and break into the tomb late at night to steal the body of Jesus and pass on this great news that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, has risen from the dead. It's not even the apostles and disciples trying to fulfill their teacher's teaching and within the night, breaking into the tomb, stealing his body, and hiding it. Because if the disciples were hiding Jesus' body in the, from the world, then there must have been a leak somewhere because someone would have said something, claiming that everything they've done, everything that Jesus has taught, is a hoax. But even to this day, there's not one document outside of the Catholic Church in any of the other writings that have said Jesus of Nazareth is a hoax. There's documents that have said Jesus of Nazareth has died and was buried in the tomb and their disciples say that he has risen from the dead. So what is this story? Is it a myth? Is it a fable? Is it a legend that we pass on to our kids? It's really at the core and at the root of all of this it's our love story. It's our love story with our Lord Jesus Christ, but most importantly, our love story with God as humanity. What we come to enter into is to understand how God has loved each and every one of us. 
No matter how far we've turned, no matter where we've gone, Jesus still is seeking each and every one of us. Because what Jesus did is not just a philosophical concept that he was trying to share with his disciples. It's not a teacher who's sharing moral aptitudes and moral guidelines for us to live and follow. But we come to understand and hear today that there's something that he's come to restore. He's come to do something for each and every one of us. We hear the Acts of the Apostles in our first reading today that Jesus of Nazareth became man to heal the sick, to cast evil, cast Satan away. So what are those things? To heal the sick. There is something hindering that person from fully living out their life. And so Jesus comes to heal and restore their life to original state, to its original glory, to cast evil away from them. Evil is a symbol in this passage that distances us away from God. He casts the evil away and out of people so that they can and are able to come to God. There's nothing hindering and stopping them from seeking God every day and every moment of their life. But instead, we hear from the Acts of the Apostles, instead of believing in his love, believing in his mission, and seeing the signs that they, he has shown his people, his chosen people, the people that he loved, they instead decide to crucify him, to kill him with the most gruesome death known to man at that time. The crucifixion was meant for the worst of the worst people in the world. It is meant for as the worst punishment and to make them as an example to society and to everyone around them. But this death, this crucifixion, was not something that was quick, easy either. Jesus had to suffocate and to hold himself up to breathe. With all the scourging, with all the pains he endured, he endured all of that because of love. So how do we begin to make sense of all of this? And why is it important for us? We can begin to see this first and foremost in our gospel reading. The stone that Jesus is buried, the tomb in which he is buried, is a symbol that separates us from God. In traditional Jewish burial, you know, we see here in the United States that we dig a six feet hole and put our deceased loved ones six feet under and fill dirt over them. But for the Jewish people, they were living up in the mountains. And so the best way for them to bury people was to find nooks and holes within the, the, the mountain and would roll a ginormous stone over them to show and to symbolize that there is a distance, a separation that is occurring and to ensure the dead is dead. And so when we hear today in our gospel reading that the stone has been rolled away and rolled out of the tomb, it illustrates for you and I the fact that nothing is going to separate us from God's love. Nothing is going to hinder us from loving God except ourselves. And so we can begin to see how this plays out in each person who approaches the tomb. Mary Magdalene runs to the tomb 
sees that it is empty, runs home to the disciples and tells them, someone has stolen our master's body. We run to our Lord, we run to these situations, not knowing, not understanding it. It doesn't make sense to us. Everything is just this vast chaos of emptiness. And how does God love in this vast emptiness of our lives? Then you have the disciples who are running towards the tomb. We hear one disciple approaches the tomb and sees the burial cloth laid there. How many times in our lives do we run to God seeking his love and we can't find it? We can't make sense of it because it doesn't connect. The body's missing. The claws are there. Jesus says he loves us, but yet there's chaos, there's destruction and disorder in my life. How can I make sense of that love? Then we hear Peter come into the tomb and he sees the tomb empty, the burial cloth there, but he notices a detail. He notices the cloth that is covering Jesus' face is somewhere else. It's not with the, the burial cloth. We go into our lives recognizing and understanding that God is love and he loves us. And there's moments in our lives we begin to recognize, see, and understand God's love for us. But sometimes it doesn't click and make sense. So we hear at the end of the gospel that one disciple comes to the tomb, sees, and believes. So what does that mean for us? As we come to celebrate the resurrection, we come to celebrate how God has loved us unconditionally. But how do we come to this experience and believe? How do we leave this celebration renewed in God's love, renewed in how he's loved us, how he's walked with us, and how we can leave today believing that much more in God's love. We can see that within our own lives. Jesus comes to give us new life. We see on the altar today the Paschal candle. If you were here yesterday, you would know when that Paschal candle entered the church, the church was pitch black. So the only light that was radiating and shining through that darkness is the light of Christ. Everything that Jesus has done these last couple of days is to help us see and understand in the dark recesses of our hearts that we are loved and beloved. God loves us unconditionally that he sends his only begotten son to redeem each and every one of us. He wants to shine in the darknesses of our hearts the love that we're seeking and yearning for. As we continue, we see a candle in the cold dispel the cold and fill us with warmth. That warmth is the relationship and the connectivity with someone and something higher than us. We hear from St. Augustine, my heart is restless until it rests in thee. Because our heart is meant to connect us to the divine. To see the true, the good, the beautiful in everyone in the world. To love others unconditionally the way God has called us to. 
to dispel the coldness, the hatred in the world. In all of that, we are freed from slavery. We are freed from being able to not relate to God, not connect to him, and not to be in his presence. We can cry out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy, hold me. And finally, we're freed from the bounds of sin. We're freed to live truly as his sons and as his daughter. We can come to him unconditionally. We can come to him asking for his need, his love, his care for us. Because sin is the separation of our relationship with God, that severance of that connection. And so through his death and resurrection, we are able to connect ourselves back to him. This, all of this sounds very theoretical sometimes, but let me frame it in this way. As parents, how much do you love your child? As parents, there are moments in life in which you are trying and striving unconditionally to sacrifice and give it all to your kids. We hear all these stories of mothers, of fathers, willing to risk their lives to do anything they can for their kid in the moments of emergency, in the moments of life and death. They're able and ready to turn their life over so that their son, their daughter, can have life. If that's what we as parents will do for our sons, our daughters, imagine what God can do for us and what God is willing to do. We've come today to celebrate that. The fact that God the Father has given up his only begotten son so that no one will have to die. No one cannot, will be able to call God Father. Everyone, no matter how far you've turned, can come back into his loving embrace. And that is what we're celebrating today. And that is why we are here. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we begin and enter into our Eucharistic celebration, we come to the table of love. We are come, we're coming to the altar reminding ourselves of what has happened on Holy Thursday and Good Friday. Through that pain, that suffering that Jesus endured, he showers us with love unconditionally and he gives us the most precious gift that he can give his lover, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, so each of us can come to experience that love, but most importantly, so that we will not be separated, distanced from our lover. Him and us will become one when we come to receive him. We will allow him to enter and to dwell within us and for him to remain with us. So let us take this time to celebration, recalling the goodness of God's love for each and every one of us, so that at the end of Mass, when we're called to go in peace, we can go bringing the light of Christ to the world, to bring that love that the world needs, and most importantly, share that love with our brothers and sisters. Amen.